welcome to the Forest FM podcast, episode 150. I'm Killian Vigna. And I'm Zoe Bilal Springer. This week on the show, we're joined by salon management professional and educator Marcus Allen from The Refinery, with whom we'll be discussing the secret recipe behind phenomenal business growth. So grab yourself a cup of coffee, sit back, relax, and join us weekly for all your salon's business and marketing needs. Look, no matter how tough the problem is, if you're having trouble making a decision, it's because you're not happy with the decision you've already made. Make one decision A, one decision B. The one you chose as A is the one you want. I've got this person I hate working with and she terrorizes me every day and I get sick going into work when she's there. What do you think I should do? So then I ask the follow-up question. How much do they really make you on your bottom line? Very little. So they're terrorizing you. You're making virtually no money out of them. I think you should fire her. Do you want me to come with you? Because I could go with you and help you do it. And I had a couple that asked me the question and he was going, see, I told you. And she goes, yeah, but she's your sister-in-law. And I said, how close are you really? And he goes, really not that close. I said, cut her loose. The relationship's over. I really thank you for your time. She's gone. For anyone who doesn't know Marcus Allen, he's a trained hairdresser. He has an incredible track record of creating hugely successful businesses from scratch. And he was a, he was actually a founder, staff member and manager of Paris Parker. He went on to work with the Neil Corporation. Then he moved to the UK to launch uh, Adveda Institution in Leeds and London. He helped open the original Urban Retreat in Harvey Nichols and then oversaw its relocation to Harrods. He's now, like we said, with the refinery, which he has taken to the international arena. And he's also the first speaker who was on the main stage at the Salon Owners Summit 2020. And I think no one can disagree here. He was very engaging and got the day kicked off on the right foot. Yeah, well, I mean, look, look, there's a reason we got him on the episode. But to take it from your blog, you actually listed out some insights from his success. And the first one you had was reinventing yourself is what makes you relevant. He mentions talk facts rather than opinions, which <laughs> if that was down to me, I would be probably best off not talking. <laughs> but uh, his point here was it's the measurement which allows you to see your success. The third one was your rent and total staff costs should respectfully be no more than 10% and 45% of your turnover. And then the final one he had was your cost of of goods to run your business and support staff should be no more than 5% each. So today's conversation is all about how to think differently. And it's something that he did say at the Salon Owners Summit just a few weeks ago, think differently, all the cool kids are doing it. It's an immense pleasure to have him on the show with us today. Killian and I were pretty excited doing the prep for this episode. And as always, while you're listening to this, if you have any thoughts coming to mind, you can always use the hashtag ForestFM on Instagram, on Twitter, and tag at Forest Salon Software, or alternatively tag your Forest regional Instagram account, whichever you please. So without further ado, welcome to the show, Marcus. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, as we had mentioned earlier, this is my first uh, podcast, so please be gentle. <laughs> please be gentle. You're already nailing it. We've actually, we couldn't press record quick enough. <laughs> All right. So Marcus, before we jump into how you practice thinking like a startup in Urban Retreat, the title of your presentation at the Salon Owner Summit 2020 was Think Differently. Surely if everyone's thinking differently, then no one is, right? Uh, actually, you're wrong. Everybody thinks differently. The two of you think differently. Everybody thinks differently. The real question is, is that it goes down to really the aspect of is what you're thinking, can you get the buy-in? Can you get people to buy into what you want? Really, because 
everything you have really kind of falls into a, a couple of categories and really what, but the real thing is, is that thinking different is really what starts this inspiration on things. So I'll give you the story. It's mostly a story. This girl comes to me, we'll call her Betty for, for, the, for the thing. So Betty comes to me. She's really one of the most annoying people that I've ever worked with. We call her Dora in a way, because every time she sees you, she says hi to you like she's just met you. <laughs> oh my God, Marcus, how are you? And I go, hi, how are you? And she goes, oh my God. Uh, two minutes later, you see it. She goes, how you doing, Marcus? Anyway, she comes to me one day and she says, hey, Marcus. I go, hi, Betty. I keep remembering that. Hi, Betty. And she goes, listen, I've got a great idea. I said, okay. She goes, you know how we can't get tips on credit cards? I said, you know, we can't do that. Please, can we not go over this again? She goes, no, listen, they can buy a Harrods gift card for us instead of a tip. My face dropped and went, that's genius. That's genius. She goes, what do you think? I said, it's an amazing idea. She goes, what do you think about me going into management? I said, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> so here's where the, this is where it gets better. Two days later, I first, right after I speak to her, I go to the front desk and I tell everybody at Open Tree. I tell all, we have like seven or eight receptionists. This is the new policy. Want to be on a credit card? Get a Harrods gift card. Perfect. Two days later, it's my birthday. And the client, long story short, buys a gift card for 100 pounds for my birthday. So Amber's idea, I'm a manager. That should have been something I thought of early on. She was thinking from her perspective and really just stepped back for a second. And she saw things very differently than I did because I was thinking, this isn't going to happen. We can't make it done. She came out with this great idea, which absolutely changed everybody's view on things. And tips went through the roof. But I benefited 100 pounds. With my discount on Harrods, that's like 140 pounds. I was doing well. So it's, it's, it's just looking at that different perspective and, and people see it all the time. And we have to think, it's not just not differently, but we have to start to get in that mindset of being able to say, how can I look at this differently? Because if I keep on looking at it the same way, most salons look at themselves in the same thing. We, we cut hair, we blow dry hair, we color hair, but we have to look at it from a different perspective. And I think the biggest turning point at, at, to think differently was at Harrods is that each year at Harrods, we paid a percentage of what, we didn't pay rent, we paid a percentage of our turnover. So each year they wanted us to do minimum 10% growth. So on, on the hair department, that was 2.5 million, which turns into then 2.7 million, which the next year turns, and it, it exponentially goes up. And no matter how new staff members I get in, I'm not going to be able to fill that gap with new staff because there's not that many clients coming through the door. So the shift was I stepped away from looking at clients and I stepped and looked and thought, how can I support the staff to get what they want? So I became, I went from client focused centric to staff focused and everything was about building skill sets and doing the things because I needed them to raise their price point. I needed new people to come in, but I needed their price point to raise up. So with, you know, with roughly about 42 staff, you know, part-time and full-time, that meant automatically I was going to be able to bump the total up by doing the same thing as I did the day before. So that's what I really mean. So to answer your question in a long-winded way, which you'll find out this is how it works with me, is that we have to really kind of encourage this idea of looking at things differently because with Betty, she changed everyone's life overnight and we all prospered from that little idea that she had, which was phenomenal. I think your story was spot on because it made me realize how at times when I've been so consumed by a project that it's actually nearly impossible to think 
out of an alternative way and then someone on your team who isn't working on that same project might just say something in passing and just as you said that story I was thinking about all the times that's happened to me where I go that's so simple why didn't I think of it yeah my friend called me yesterday with an issue and I just threw an idea straight off the top of my head he's like can I send you more problems like this <laughs> like because guess what? It doesn't affect your income. It doesn't affect anything, but you're just seen as a kind of a off the, uh, we have one of our old staff is opening a salon and I've been calling him, telling him he's got a new, his new website's popping up. It says coming soon. And I said, I, I want to tell him he won't answer my calls. He thinks, I don't know what it is, but it, I said, oh my God, his automatic sign up to his page, he should be sending 50% or something as a promotion to get people in, but he's wasting all those kind of uh, people logging on. It, it's it, yeah, it's yeah, definitely from the outside. You, you're just um, yeah, so clever. So you said something at the summit that really stuck with me, and uh, you talked about how in business you should work for a startup, a small business, and a corporation, right? Uh, each one of them gives you a different value of information, obviously helps your perspective as well. How, like, if you really enjoy cutting hair or running a small business of hair or something like that, how do you get those insights if that's not the way you want to go? and work for three different businesses, do you know? It's a great question. So yeah, because the thing is that you can't walk away from your business to go work at a, at a corporate office necessarily. Yeah. So what, what, I, what I was fortunate to do is that I've worked for startups. So the startup benefit is that you wear many hats. You're constantly looking at different problems and solutions, and it's such a hands-on deck uh, kind of thing. And what happens is the job you started off with ends up not being the job you end up with because either they see skills that you have or you end up uh, just really kind of going into things. And because, you know, one of the guys left, you now, that's part of your job. So the startup teaches you how to run many, many hats and how to really kind of uh, realize that I don't have to have this on my job description to do. A small business is what most people own is they have to be responsible for all the bills. They have to understand the detail of where all the money's going because that's the difference between being open in February and closing in March. So that what a corporate does is that corporate is all about justification. It's all about, so I just presented to our board. And uh, so you have a group of people there. They get your deck, what they call your deck, which is your slides of all the presentation that you're doing and the kind of ideas that you are with the business and what you'd like to do. So you send that out to them and then they sit and they ask questions because they're asking their responsibility as a board member is to make sure that you're making the right choice, that you're not so close to it that you just want to do it because you think it's going to work. They want kind of proof. So they start off the board meeting by saying, if anything's in a deck you'd like to focus on, please let me know. And there's generally always a question they'll ask. They'll say, great, you want this. We want a new laser um, at the refinery. So we want a new laser. And we just paid for our old laser. So what they want to do is, why do you need a new laser when you got one that's already paid for? <laughs> and we said, because this one's new. And they go, clean the old one. <laughs> so the, the idea really is, is that, so we have to come up, we just finished the, we, this is our third presentation we're making about this, but it's all about justification. How are you going to market it? So they ask things like risk. Have you ever heard of SWAT, SWAT report? The strengths, weaknesses, isn't it? Yes. So you have strength, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. So each board thing, you have to put that forward. That's what a corporation does because that's the languaging. They all speak the same languaging and all have a, pretty much the same formats. 
So when information goes in that, people can make decisions very quickly. That's what corporations do. They need justification. They focus more on what they know, not what they think. Because what you know means that you can justify it. It's less of a risk. So we calculated with this promotion, we need 380 promotion pack laser uh, offers to pay for the laser. We think that we can get 15 in a week doing a friends and family, you tell two friends, you tell two friends, you tell two friends kind of thing, outside of what we would do with the kind of clients. So already we know that if we do seven a month, we'll be able to pay what it costs for the laser. We do 15 a month, we've now cut the five years into two and a half. So the goal is, so when we laid this out, we said, this is what we want, here's the risk, which is only 1,400 a month, we make 2800 a month, we'll pay for it, plus pay for the staff that are doing it, and we get to keep our old laser, and now we can, we can really focus in. And the new laser does an hour service in 15 minutes. So your experience working in the corporation is essentially what taught you to focus more on facts as opposed to opinions, which is one other thing that you're talking about at the summit. It is, because the corporation, they, look, they have a thousand things they're doing, this is one of what they're doing in a small piece. So if you can't justify, they call it a pressure, a pressure test. The pressure is, if I ask you these questions and you can't answer them and it doesn't make sense, why should I give it to you? Because the corporation is responsible just as a small owner is responsible. Everybody wants to do all these amazing things. How are we going to pay for this? And if you look at SWAT reports and if you look at those ways of you know, justifying things, then all of a sudden you have the confidence and you have a plan and that plan is what corporations do and why they succeed and make millions and millions and we buy all the stuff that they sell. So then if we take it back a step where we kind of t- discuss, I suppose, the startup mindset, that's completely flipped nearly to what you were just talking about there with corporations where it's almost, I suppose, disruption or trial and error, essentially learn as you go. Is that how you would have started before getting to this stage? So here's the thing. So in most startups, what they do is they come in with this this disrupted idea. And then what they have to do is they have to make it make sense to be able to get finance. So finance comes from corporations, VCs, all these. You've got to look and say, this is what we think the scalability of this. This is what we're doing. This is why it's going to work. It's kind of like I think one of the most broke things in our industry is how we train hairdressers. I think it's, it's, it's broke on every single level that it takes way too long and it, it's not effective and people don't have wins. So if you look at it from a different perspective and you think to yourself, uh, so the program I developed years ago was based on the Navy SEALs. So the Navy SEALs spend the first 24 hours getting rid of 80% Look, they're not there to go, come on, you can do it, Johnny. You can, no, out. They want the people that are the best of the best. Then they spend the rest of the training, get another 80% to leave because they want the top, top level. And that's why Navy SEALs are, you know, they, they do things that most of us can't do. It's, it's remarkable what they can do. If you're ever in a bar and some guy wants to fight you and says he's a Navy SEAL, walk away. It's never going to happen. But the idea is that it's, it's looking at that from a different way. So the program I developed in training, I could justify why it worked. You know who didn't like it? The people that went through the old training because it took two and a half years and a slug. The new people, they were flying through it. And those who didn't do it dropped out of the program. It was easy. So it's very similar to Facebook's motto of, what, what is it? What's the motto? Move fast and break things? 
That's it. NASA is better, faster, cheaper. When they did that, it changed everything. They, they decided to go outside of NASA to buy technology and innovation because it cost less than them doing it and it was faster. Because if you're building something and it's going the wrong way, you've invested all that time and money and by that time you try to keep on fixing it. Somebody else has done that. It hasn't cost you anything, but you get to buy the end result. So how did, how did this translate in your experience with Urban Retreat and growing it to success? Well, it's, it's actually gone now. So Urban Retreat is, is actually was taken over by Harrods. So, uh, so, right. so yeah. it, it's changing as well. They're going to be breaking it apart. It's going to, it's going to break apart and they're going to put it all over the store. And they no longer want the Super Salon. The Super Salon's day has kind of peaked. And now it's going back to, just like with hotels, more smaller, boutique, uh, kind of, you know, uh, we call it like cheers. Everyone knows your name. Um, it's, it's that kind of intimacy what, with urban retreat. It was always the prize or the, the goal was how do we create things much faster? So we had a program I had, we call it the Stacy program and it's based on a girl called Stacy and she wanted to be a colorist and I had no space for colorist and she was so persistent, but such a lovely girl. I came up with this ridiculous program on how she had to build her business. So the ridiculous program was she had to get on her training day. She had to get four highlight models in which she charged, I think it was 25 pounds. So once she filled that up for two or three weeks in a row, then she got another day, which she then had to charge something like 45 pounds. So each time I gave her a different day, I raised the price. And those existing clients she had had to go up to the higher price because the, the objective was as she built these clients, I would only have to give her a few clients at the very end. But I already had somebody who had a great following. But if she couldn't get people to come back, she was kind of letting me know that she didn't have it. Well, what did she do? Oh my God, she was so successful. She even jumped price points. She goes, I'm not going to do 45. I'm going to 65. I was like, okay. <laughs> she got so, so then she got off the floor because she didn't want to shampoo another person's hair. She wanted to do color. So she, she created a Facebook page. She really went out and really made it happen. She got friends of friends. It was remarkable. Did she end up doing eight half heads a day? Eight half heads a day at 65 pounds is sometimes more money than some of my colorists were making. So I'm like, oh my God. So I'm thinking the system was set out and I thought, this is amazing. And then she came to me and said, I'm leaving. So where are you going? She goes, we're buying a house, like zone 12 out of London. Uh, my husband, you know, my boyfriend knew I'm going to be my husband. So she left, stopped hairdressing altogether because where the area out there wasn't charging nearly what she was charging almost when she started. But that taught me everything, that this, this young person had a clear path of what she wanted to do. And guess what? She was either going to make it or not. It was no longer about me emotionally attached to it. Because that's why we really kind of have so much frustration with our assistants. We get emotionally attached to their success. And when they're not successful, we get mad at them. It's either they do it or they don't. It's not your responsibility. It's for them to get on with it and do it. That's why some assistants have been assistants for three years and they never go forward. So the whole idea was how do we get, so we had with our new talents, they did blow dry first, they had retail module first, blow dry first, hair up, men's haircuts, women's haircuts. Each module they finished, they could go on the floor and cut hair. So their men's haircuts. So that means they were building a client with blow dries, they were building a client with retail, they were building clients with men's haircuts. By the time they got to women's haircuts, they needed very little. But here's the thing, when someone's doing 10 blow dries a day and you want them to do a 45 minute haircut, they can do it because they know how to cut the time to be able to do the blow dry. 
these guys were already masters. And if they couldn't build, if they couldn't adapt the blow dry concept and even learn how to blow dry, why invest in cutting? I know this sounds brutal, but here's the thing. You have to really, the high standard that we had, it was either do or die. You had to be able to have that quality. And some of my best producers were these people coming up and the top people hated them because they were doing hair blow dryers as good as they were for 30 pounds. And they were charging 60. Clients were coming twice a week, sometimes three times a week with the new talent than they could with the stop stylist. So did it instill a little bit of kind of like uh, positive competitiveness then among staff? Of course, but what, what was so valuable to me is I needed those top guys because they were the standard. They were the top, and their blow dries were phenomenal. And they, if I would have lost those top guys, my standard of blow dry would have dropped. And then it gets watered down. So you need those top people to date, but you also need to give them better support to make sure that they have that. But also some of the new talents would actually assist them building relationships with the client. So this, this kind of brings me to your playbook that you were talking about at the summit. Let's say like a salon has been doing the way they're doing things for like the last 30 years and they want to get, they want to shift the dynamics and shift the, the mindset, but it's just really hard because everybody's so set into a routine and habits. How do you break that apart then? The one thing I didn't cover, which I, I, I never know how it's going to go across, but I always kind of say it to people privately. Um, it's your fault. If you own a salon or you're a manager or you're a leader, it's your fault. Things aren't good. It's your fault. Things are great. It's a staff's success, but it's your fault. Ultimately, you're responsible. You are the one that has to start. Leadership, you know, speed of the leader is the speed of the pack. You have to be the person that is leading from the front. And you have to be, look, people of the 12 questions, one of the things is, do I have a purpose? And then that purpose is people want to follow leaders. They truly do. And they want that. So as a leader, you have to ask yourself a simple question. In detail, what do I want? So I always use this example when I interview people. <laughs> okay, so here's the thing. So I'm going to ask one of you, which one would you like to answer my question? So you can go first. <laughs> <laughs> Put me under the bus. Great. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay. Right, okay, here we go. Here's the question I would ask people when I interview them. So what's your favorite type of food? Broad, broad category. Probably French cuisine. Okay, French. Of all the French dishes, what's your favorite dish? God, that's a tough one. Um... Anything that has to do with fish. Nope. So what is your favorite fish? The, the favorite dish. I need that dish. By the way, you can say anything. We won't know that you're lying. Uh, <laughs> let's say hake. Okay. Of all the places you've ever had hake, where's been the best you've ever had it? Paris. Where in Paris? Is there a restaurant? So let's just say, come up with one. Okay. Yeah. Cafe Ensign. Okay. So that's detail. So when you ask people what they want, they have to have that detail. And the detail is, is that if you don't know exactly what you want, so if I ask you what's your favorite dish, great, it's hey, cooked in a French cuisine kind of way in this cafe in Paris. That's detail. You have to have a detail of what you want. It's the beginning part of everything. You want to go on holiday? Where do you want to go? You have to have the detail. The first you start off with the detail, the vision. That's the first thing. Then the second part is, and I know this has been around for a thousand years, the smart technique, specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, then you need to put that line to it. That's the beginning part. And it needs to be, you can make your master list of all the things you want, but you have to start off with one and you have to create that smart list. And then once you have that smart list, then you create the plan. 
plan, you do it, you study the result because only through measurement can you say if it's good or not. Because people think Bob's really, he's really, really busy. What you realize is Bob's stretching his appointments and filling his book and he's only doing four a day. When really the benchmark is eight a day. So he's really 50% out of what what he needs to do. So the first is that vision. The second is really have to put it into measurable specifics. And then who's accountable? Someone has to be accountable for everything because if they're accountable, you too are accountable for putting on this podcast. Success and failure of it is based on the setup that you have, the delivery that you do, and the measurement. You have a time in which you do it. There's all these parameters that allow you to know what you're doing. And because of that, you have a greater success with these podcasts than you did with the first one you did. True. <laughs> okay. So if I asked you guys, I said, look, I need you to, I need you to create this better format. And you'd say, great. Well, we got these six core questions we're going to ask, and we're only going to give him two minutes. So one of us is going to have to cut him off because he talks a lot. That's a parameter that you have. So in that, plan, do, study, act. You study that, and then you come back with real information. And then it's not about people's feelings. It is about fact. And that fact means that this is not working. So I started the membership program. Didn't work. Clients didn't like it. Staff didn't like it. It didn't work. Let me tell you something. I can, I can generally get people to do things I want them to do. It didn't work. So I dumped it. It just, why spend my time on working? It's not doing, so I'm shifting to another thing that we're doing. What, what does a typical timeline for this kind of look like? Because that's one thing that really stood out was um, like, if it doesn't work, move on to the next thing. Sometimes people tend to quit too early. So, so do you give yourself a measure or a timeline before you can actually make that decision of, you know what, it's not going to happen, let's move on? Because sometimes there's that iteration as well, where if you keep trying, keep trying, keep trying, eventually it could take off. So here's, let's look at this. So the idea is that we are folks and we're about to do appraisals with everybody. One of the things we're going to be doing is that the, the, the team about asked for more marketing. We want better marketing. We want better marketing. So one of the things we said is we put a lot of bumps on chairs already and the return's not happening. You want to know how I know? Because the numbers say they don't happen. So what we're going to do is we found the most successful jumpstart for new clients has been Google reviews. So we mathematically came up with, we want one Google review a week. Easy to measure, easy to do. Plan, do, study, act. We know each week whether it's working. We know who to speak to. Because the thing is that it's not about beating up the team. It's about supporting them. What can we do to help you get that? So that's a short one. We know that that's going to happen on a weekly basis. Someone's return rate, we probably look on a quarterly basis. But what we don't want to do is wait till the end of the quarter. We want to constantly monitor that. So one of the things we're doing is we're going to be every night, everybody's going to have to print off their sheet and they're going to have to sign it. So the sign is, is that now we physically know what you did. Well done or no well done. We know. We're going to constantly put this in front of you every single day because that way we can work on it. Talking to people at the end of the quarter, at the end of the year, at the end of the week, you've gone. It's wasted. Football teams coach minute by minute by minute. Practices minute by minute by minute. Everything has to be measured. And if you're not a measurement person, if you feel that's too much for people and it's you're really you're you're deserving your team because people need to know where they are. Everybody wants to know how well they're doing. They want that recognition. Good, bad, or indifferent. They want the feedback. If you give people the feedback, they can succeed. It's kind of like 
if I let you run a race and I don't tell you how well your time is, how do you know what you're doing? Yeah, you need a benchmark. So if you're not that kind of leader, you need to find someone else in your business to do it. So if you're looking at implementing something new, would you, I suppose, to get the buy-in, you said to Google review one review a week or one review a day. I know it's obviously not going to be that low, but would you go easy with your threshold or your benchmarks or would you set your team a kind of what we call what they call a big hairy audacious goal would you have like an ambitious target or is it a main, a, a, an achievable one so that you can get that buy-in you can get that momentum going so one a day one a week means one a week per staff member 14 staff members we get 14 so let's say 15 round off so that's 60 a month 60 times three, it's 180. We're building up quickly. Then what you get to do is going, great. So years ago, my, my boss, I worked at a chain of salons, and he said, um, Marcus, I think we're going to have to let you go. You're not making your targets. And he said, um, but I'm going to give you an opportunity. You're going to go out, and these are the targets you have to meet. And in two weeks' time, you're going to come in, and you're going to know whether you have your job or not. I'm not going to have to say anything. So two weeks, I smash it. Number one retailer, number one walk-in business. I'm killing it. I walk in. I'm so confident. I said, I know I got my job. He goes, you're absolutely right. I'm going to put you on two more weeks, no, two more weeks probation. I said, why? He goes, because you showed me you can do it. It's what I'm asking forever. Damn. So the thing I'm is, your is resignation. That, yeah, exactly. You have to start with something that makes it easy and then you can turn it up. So we started off with one product a day per staff, two products a day per staff, now three. Now, if you take three or an average price of 18 pounds, let's say average price of 15 pounds, that's 45. Most staff aren't even getting 45 pounds a week. Now I'm getting 45 pounds a day. So you have an option. You can either do three a day or 15 a week. Either way you go, I don't care how you get it. One of the staff walked up the other day and um, uh, one of the, our ma- manager, Emma, said, you haven't sold any retail today. So this client walked up. He was just climbing in the toilet, walks up, and he goes, you need any product for today? He says, yeah, sure do. He goes, how many do you need? He goes, <laughs> I think I need four. He went, one extra, boom, and walked away. <laughs> Look, here's the thing. Just that conversation started that conversation, and he loved it. He still talks about it today. He thinks he's like the greatest thing in the whole world. But guess what? Did he make his 15 for the week? He did. Because it's, it's the daily thing. It's, it's like losing weight. It's like doing anything. You have to do it every day. You have to get better at it. So everything starts off at a reasonable piece. And the other thing is, is that, Sometimes you have to do a little naming and shaming, you know, a little board in the back. Everybody's winning except you. What is it that you're not doing? How can I help you? It's not beating up people doesn't work. But allowing them to say that I've done my part, you're not doing your part. So it's either a capability issue or you're not, you don't want to do it. So are you capable? Yes. Do you want to do it? No. That's goes to that number one question. Do you know what's expected of you? What's expected of you is one review a week, three products a day. It's measurable. And I've said this, you know, we only really want these five things. You know, we want to we wanna make good money, like the people we work with. We want to be inspired. We want to be busy. And we want to feel valued. That's it. Hairdressers are so crazy. We'd rather do 15 people a day than three. So, but the idea is that so many people don't work in an environment that has this. But look, if you ask my team, am I great to work with? They're probably going to have different opinions. I got one staff member who thinks my job in life is to get rid of him. And I said to him, here's the thing. (laughs) I'd rather help you get another 1,500 pounds up to make your target than to find someone that's got to do the whole amount. Yeah. 
Well, look, Marcus, we've had a great interview. One thing we did say in prep of this interview was we wanted to get some examples and some scenarios based off of your your playbook. I think we've definitely got loads of really good examples. Maybe you could set a challenge for myself and Zoe and we could try and use your playbook to... Um, I suppose, hit our targets every week. I'm kind of nervous. Even <laughs> saying this, I'm a little nervous about this. But yeah, hit us with a scenario. Okay, so here's a scenario. You have uh, someone in your business who's been with you for a long time. And they've, they've been with you through the hard times. And really, you really couldn't have done it without them. But now the relationship's changed. And it's no longer that relationship. What do you do? Well, I'd imagine the first thing off the bat is just coming back to your first principle of assessing yourself, you'd need to assess why that relationship changed. That and also trying to figure out, have the expectations changed maybe as well of like, does that person still know what they're expected of? Have they become comfortable? Yeah. Okay. So you've now sat down with this person and they've told you everything that's wrong with you. Well, as a business owner, everything is always going to come back to us. Um, well done. <laughs> so what can we do to make this relationship better? Because it's not going to be on them. They're employed by us. It, the responsibility comes back to us. How can we improve this? Or do we want to take the easy option and just be like, mm, it's not working out? And I would imagine most people don't want to take that easy option. They want to figure, figure it out and take a resolution. Okay, so I'm going to be this disgruntled staff member, okay? And all I want you to do is just ask questions. And, but what you can't do is you can't accept a shutdown. So, so you're going to ask me, What's the first thing? So I, you will now want to have that initial conversation with me. What's the first question you ask? Marcus, do you remember when you started? <laughs> do you remember when you first started out in the salon? How did you find things? Good. What has changed? Nothing. Do you feel, where do you see your role in the salon? Pretty much what I'm doing. And what is it you're doing? I'm just cutting hair, coming to work, doing my job. And are you happy with that? All right. Where do you see your role going in the next year? Not much different what I'm doing. But if you could change something, what would you change? Nothing. Why do you think it would be the same as what you're doing now? It's been like this for a while. Has it been like this since the start? No. How long has it been since you started feeling this way? I don't know. What do you know about this scenario? Not much. It's hard, isn't it? So here's the problem. The problem is, is that this is what happens. So there's a thing called setting the initial condition. And setting the initial condition is, I have to set up what really what I want to talk about and really what I want to do. So first off, I always want to set it up going about what I, what I feel and what part I've played or what I see. But the, the question that you're asking good questions, but really you'd probably ask them slightly different if you knew the person because you'd be able to read their body language and those kind of things. But what you have to start off with something that, that is factual that you, can, that you can state. There's things you have to do, but your hard thing is you can't just kind of go, Janie told me that Betty said that you aren't happy. <laughs> yeah. It's, you have to first off, 
you have to do this in a setting which gives you the best result. So years ago, I had a, I had a, a girl I dated and her dog bit people. So we had to put him down or we had to retrain him. And what I realized is, is that in that, there are ways to um, approach a conversation. If you do it face-to-face, it's called an aggressive stance. If you, that's why it's hard to fight in a car because you're side by side. <laughs> so the idea is that you have to set the conditions to really have the conversation and talk about really that you want to have a great relationship and you want it to be happy. And what I'm seeing is that there's not this happiness and it, it's something that is affecting me. And, and I want to resolve this. And I, I want you to be happy where you are. And these are the things that I know that aren't happening. So talk to me. And then that's when you ask the details. You're asking good questions. And you, you're asking questions like when, how long you start. But sometimes people have this shut off. And that's when you talk about, I also tend to talk about my failure. So my failure is, is that I waited too long to talk about this. My failure is I've been scared. I've been scared to have these conversations with you because You've done so much for me, and I don't think I've done right by you. This person, for whatever reason, and look, you may still end the relationship, but what you have to do is you have to talk about the part you played. If I have a bad relationship with someone, I constantly look at myself and ask myself, what part am I playing to make this relationship good or bad? And there's some people I just connect with, man, just like that. And some people, I even have people in our business now that they're lovely people. We just can't connect. We, we try. It's like a bad dance every day, but we, we're both trying and I keep on trying. So I, I remember things about her and I talk to her, but it's ultimately our responsibility to make this connection and constantly have these conversations. Because if you wait really a long time, sometimes it's too long and it can be too late. So Marcus, on that note, then you've set us a challenge is there a challenge that you want to set to salon owners? Because talking at the start of this show, you were saying at the summit, you wanted to set a challenge, but you didn't get the chance. If you were to do it now, what would you say? So here's my challenge. The one thing about going to the boardroom is that you have great people with great knowledge and are not in your situation to see things differently from, from the outside. So here's the challenge. If you truly want to be a leader, you have to make yourself vulnerable and you have to take risk. So here's what you do. You take a phone and you record a video on a problem that you're having. Be as specific as possible with that problem and what you'd like the outcome to be. You video that to me and I'll video back what I think you should do or ask questions. That's the challenge. Because if you aren't willing to put yourself, even if you're embarrassed to, and and where this kind of came from originally um, was, I was a, I was in, I was the uh, global educational director for a brand, and I was I needed to get educators from all over the United States, but I couldn't fly people in. So I set a simple task. I asked them to send me a video of them talking about something for five minutes that had nothing to do with hairdressing, in front of five people, because if you can't talk about something you're interested in for five minutes, you can't present information. If you can't get five people to sit in front of you, then you don't get along well with other people. And if you're not willing to put yourself out to do this, then you, why do you want to be an educator? So I took this task. Top people wouldn't send it to me. They just wouldn't. I got, I got, a, I got a young woman who did a presentation in front of a, a nursing home. It was amazing. They loved it. And she turned it out to be one of our best educators. But the interesting thing is that 
Put yourself out there, send a video on what your problem is, and I will send you a video back saying what I either think the questions may be or a course of action you can look at. But if you're not willing to just take a minute, five minutes, and send a video to someone to get some help, you're, you're closing yourself off to the opportunities because there's so much great information everywhere, and it's overwhelming to start. But I can, even if that's your start, I can teach you how to start, and it's really not that difficult. But really, are you willing to put yourself out there to do it? And that's the challenge because everyone needs help. Everyone. I, I get contacted from top salons that say, everything is great, and I'm, I'm really worried because I don't think this is going to last. Guess what? It doesn't last for anybody. Tesla now is bigger value-wise than GM and Chevrolet altogether, and they just make four cars. So it's, it's, there's, look, the support comes from everywhere. It really is. And I think everybody should have a board of directors. I think they should. I just got asked to be on a leadership team for a new brand that's starting. And she just called me up and she said, I, I'd, like, I'd like your advice on some things and I'd like you to be on my leadership thing. It's not a paid job, but to be with the other people in the room, oh my God, how she got them, I don't know. So I feel like I'm the biggest fraud in the group, but I'm going to go there and just, I'm going to be asking questions. That imposter syndrome. Oh, everybody's got it. Everybody's got it. So that's the challenge. Put yourself out there. You know, and the thing is that I should get, I should get one from every single person that listens to this. And this person to tell somebody else. And that person should, should do it as well. Because you've got to put yourself out there. You got, if you can't be vulnerable to help yourself, then you can't do that for your own team. And really, this, we're in the talent business. We, 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 we focus on talent. Because without the staff, we got a building we can't pay for. So. We're there. And some talent isn't, you know, there's a lot of people get fired off of movies because they just weren't right. So Michael J. Fox was not the original person on Back to the Future. I can't remember the guy's name, but the guy, he's been in a lot of 80s movies, but he was the original. Within the first month, they said, this isn't working. And they fired him. And then they called Michael J. Fox. Worked out better, didn't it? I absolutely love the idea of this challenge. So do you reckon we could, uh, do you reckon we could make this a social thing? Maybe get some engagement on it? Yeah, absolutely. Well, listen, um, Marcus, this this has been absolutely fantastic and like really insightful conversation. If people are looking to send you this video, how can they do that? So uh, my my Instagram is like six photos and most of my life put up. Um, so for me, I prefer to have it on email. So my email is really simple. Um, it's uh, so it's Marcus, M-A-R-C-U-S dot Allen, A-L-L-E-N at Mac dot com. Perfect. And we'll also include that in today's episode's notes anyways, for anyone who is looking for that. But yes, absolutely. Everybody should be sending at least one video and hopefully you'll be able to respond to all of them because <laughs> the amount of people listening to this. <laughs> as, as you can tell, I can talk. So, it, it, you know, and also for me, almost everything I do, I do on FaceTime. So I do my initial interviews on FaceTime. Um, I always talk to people on FaceTime first because the difference between us seeing each other changes everything. But I recommend interviewing everybody on FaceTime first. Marcus, you wouldn't even notice it was your first episode. And I know our audience are going to get some great value from this. It's been a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you. This was amazing for my first time. You've been phenomenal. Uh, I'm sorry that I rant, but it's just uh, this is something that I think is... Um, it's a great industry. I've been doing this for 32 years. It's been phenomenal. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for your time. Yeah. Thank you so much. When you're running a salon or a spa, 
A hunch isn't good enough. That's why Forest Salon Software provides you with a comprehensive reporting suite and analytics, giving you the freedom and flexibility to make the decisions that matter. Manage, market and grow your business with Forest Salon Software, a premium cloud-based salon software system for three-plus employees. Visit forest.com for more details. So that was Marcus Allen of The Refinery and Zoe. I think we should definitely uh, get the marketing team doing some Instagram Q&As, maybe some webinars. So speaking of webinars then, we're going to jump into our client webinars. We have a few webinars coming up this month already scheduled. Join our Build Client Loyalty webinar, where we discuss how to get the happiest loyal client through exceptional customer service. This webinar is to educate yourself on simple ways to get clients returning again and again through small steps of exceptional service and appreciation. Things we're going to cover in this webinar is what is loyalty, exceptional customer service, treat cards, and referrals, reviews, and reputation. This webinar takes place on February the 11th, 2020 at 4.30 p.m. GMT Irish time, 11.30 a.m. Eastern time, and 8.30 a.m. Pacific time. The second webinar we have are why are your regulars leaving and how to stop them? In this webinar, we talk about salon client retention. It's almost too late once they're gone. So what telltale signs can we identify just beforehand? Topics we're going to cover here are why clients leave you, how to get them back once they've gone, getting your team to champion client retention and tracking your numbers. This webinar takes place on February the 13th, 2020 at half four GMT Irish time, half 11 a.m. Eastern time and half eight a.m. Pacific time. The third webinar is titled, Is Not Using Online Booking Killing Your Business? Join this webinar where we talk about online reputation that could potentially bring you in more bookings and more clients. Why wouldn't your salon use it? The topics we're going to discuss are salon testimonials using online booking, benefits of the feature, the salon branded app and your salon, and the power of convenience. This webinar takes place on February the 17th, 2020, a half four GMT Irish time, half 11 a.m. Eastern time, and half eight a.m. Pacific time. The final webinar we have, this is the last one, Zoe, I'm nearly done. What do mothers want? Marketing for Mother's Day. Join this webinar where we'll show you how to create exceptional experience and market towards mothers for this special day. Topics we're going to discuss are packages for mothers, building and selling product gift packs, gift voucher displays, and exceptional marketing. The time and date for this webinar is February the 24th, 2020 at 4.30pm GMT Irish time, 11.30am Eastern time and 8.30am Pacific time. As always, if you've any queries with regards to signing up for these webinars, please email training at forest.com. And now I'm lightheaded, so I think we'll pass it over to you. <laughs> Absolutely. So following the client webinars on this Inside Forest segment are uh, two talks that I'll be presenting at Nashville Fashion Focus, Bellevue Fashion Focus and Washington DC Fashion Focus. All the dates are going to be in today's episode's notes. The talks I'll be delivering are what comes first, branding or marketing? And the second one will be tell me about your retention and I'll tell you about your brand. If you're interested in getting tickets for any of these three events that I'll be presenting at in the coming two months, you can visit licensedtocreate.com. Next on this segment, I want to take the time to talk about the Salon Management course because it's something that we've been getting a few requests from uh, people this year, uh, as I suppose the start of the year, you know, thinking new skills and all of that. 
And as many of you know, Force Salon Software has a lot of free learning opportunities. This salon management course is one of them. It's hosted by business strategy consultant Valerie Del Forge. It's a six part course that will help you develop your managerial skills and help you become the leader that your business needs and your team deserves. Each week, you'll receive an hour presentation that you can watch in your own time. You'll also get an interactive workbook that can help you put these new plans and ideas into place. And uh, of course, this is all free. All of the presentations and workbooks will be sent to you by email each week. So all you have to do really today is take the first step, go to today's episode show notes, find the link to sign up for the salon management course and fill in your details. Finally, we haven't mentioned it so far this year, but the Salon Mentorship Hub is still and always a good place to get help. If you're struggling with anything in the salon from customer service to social media, finance, whatever it is, we've teamed up with industry coaches and consultants who can hear you out on a free 15 to 30 minute consultation on a topic of your choosing. Simply head over to salonmentors.forest.com to book yourself in. And again, that's free. You do not need to be a forest client to avail of this either. And well, that's all we got for this week, guys. So as always, if you have any ideas or thoughts on how we can better tailor this content and these episodes to you, do send us an email at forestfm at forest.com or you can also leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We genuinely appreciate every single piece of feedback that you guys are giving us. And I know sometimes it might be easier to tell us face-to-face when we're at events such as the Salon Under Summit, but please don't hesitate. You can always let us know how you feel about the show and how we can increase the value for you. Otherwise, have a wonderful week and we'll catch you next Monday. All the best. This episode was edited and mixed by Audio Z. Great music makes great moments. Montreal's cutting edge post-production studio for creative minds looking to have their vision professionally produced and mixed. Forest FM, the Salon Owners podcast, is brought to you by Forest Salon Software. We help salon owners get their clients back in more often, spending more and generating referrals. Let's grow.